Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Friends of the Rockney cast, this episode we're going to cover intermittent fasting part two. Based upon the overwhelming response that we received in our last fasting episode, I wanted to follow up and address some concerns that some of you had raised. The most biggest concern was, is can you do it? Is my own hunger an obstacle to doing intermittent fasting? I know that there's probably a lot of skeptics out there that are like, dude, Rockney, even if this words works, there's no way I can do it. No way, as Teresa Greenfield likes to say. No way can I do it. Yes, you can do it. Trust me, you can do it. And as I've said in previous discussions, obviously with any change in your diet, you need to talk to your doctor, consult with your doctor. But I want to tell you, the benefits of intermittent fasting are significant. You will see results, and yes, you can do it. So for this episode, we're going to explain why you can do it. We're going to cover some of the theories as to why it works. I'll address my own experience. Uh, we will identify the work of Dr. Jason Fung. Um, he's a kidney doctor out of Toronto who's written the Obesity Code, and we'll identify um, some strategies that I've used to sort of address some of the obstacles, the biggest obstacles. Can you do it? Can you overcome your hunger to do intermittent fasting? Fasting, And I'm here to tell you, you absolutely can do it. And the other thing, folks, is, is I believe in skepticism and I believe in questioning. So hit me up with questions, concerns, doubt. But above all, I think you need to try it. If you're obese and you're overweight like I was, you're at significant risk of high blood pressure, all sorts of different medical problems, the very same medical issues that I was dealing with. And I have never felt better in my life. So I'm here to tell you, do not let hunger be an obstacle. So let's get started and talk about um, why you can do it. And first of all, let's identify a common word that we all know, breakfast. Do you remember that point in your life where someone comes up to you and they're like, dude, did you know that originally the term breakfast was really when you would break your fast? Dude, did you know that? And you're like, wow, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Break fast. Although we don't say it that way. We say breakfast. We don't say break fast. So the first exercise that we're going to do is just talk about breaking your fast. You know Bill and Ted's excellent adventure where they didn't know how to say Socrates and instead they said Socrates? Well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to teach you how to repronounce breakfast. It's break fast. So before all you get worked up about how you can't do it, I'm here to tell you you can do it. So let's assume you have your last meal at 6 o'clock in the evening, which is most of a, when most of us eat our dinner, or even 7, but let's just assume it's 6. Some of you maybe eat at 5, some of you eat last dinner at 6, some of you at 7, but let's start at 6. 
So what does that mean? Um, most of you, and most of you know you shouldn't eat before you go to bed, but let's face it, some of you do, but you shouldn't be, and I think all of you would agree that that's not a good idea. And so you already are fasting. Did you know this? You're most likely already fasting for 12 hours because that's pretty much the deal. We're not supposed to eat more than three meals a day. I think most of us agree on that. So you're already getting to 7 o'clock, and that's 12 hours. Or I'm sorry, that's 13 hours. So if you already can get to 7, a lot of you probably don't eat until 8 o'clock. And so we're already at 14 hours. So all I'm asking you skeptics is, is can you extend your break fast for two more hours? And if you can do that, there are significant health benefits, which we'll cover in other episodes. But for now, we're just going to talk about, can you do it? And first off, before you even begin that, if you can't even begin that moment, I want you to consider the work of Dr. Judson Brewer. Um, He's a medical doctor at Brown University who's done a lot on addiction and mindfulness and the intersection of the two in terms of mindfulness training meditation, as well as the science behind it and the results that you see. And he's written a book called Dr. Judson Brewer, The Craving Mind. So the first, before you even begin, or even if you decide you just don't want to do it and you still have some doubts, go ahead and have your ordinary breakfast tomorrow. And as you do it, I want you to essentially ask yourself, before you eat, how hungry are you actually? Are you eating out of habit? Or are you eating because you're actually hungry? You feel starving. And if you are starving, note that. But a lot of you eat out of habit. And then once you do eat, if you're eating one of those big farmer's breakfasts of egg and eggs and steaks and hash browns, how do you feel afterwards? Do you feel good? Do you feel bad? How do you feel? Does it give you energy? Does it not give you energy? I hope some of you aren't eating your donuts or your rolls because we all know that all that sugar, that's horrible for you. It's the path to type 2 diabetes. So that's just sort of the first exercise is just ask yourself how hungry you are. You know how a lot of teens run out of the, um, the, the, the house and they're like, oh, I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry. I don't need to eat. Well, probably most of because they're not hungry. Most of us, unless we're totally lean or underweight, have plenty of energy within us in the form of stored calories. That's our fat. And even now, I got plenty of fat. Even though I've lost all this weight and feel really good and look a lot leaner, we got plenty of energy. You're not going to starve. So you can do it. You're not that hungry. And so your first day, all I'm asking you to do is to extend your break fast for two more hours to mid-morning. So can you extend it till 10 o'clock if your last meal was at uh, 6? Of course you can. It's not that much. And then we'll get a little bit into um, some of the misperceptions of fasting. So you've made it to 10 o'clock, and here's the deal. You now have 8 hours to eat. And the term fasting is not interchangeable with starving yourself. It's not how much you eat. It's when you eat. Fasting does not mean reducing calories. It does not mean that. And in fact, 
one of the leading practitioners of the intermittent fasting method and the leading theoreticians behind it is Dr. Jason Fun. And he brings up essentially the biggest loser, which focuses on caloric restriction. And as many of you know, I never really watched that show because I could really care less about seeing some big fat person get skinny and just couldn't see it. But as a lot of you have known, or maybe you've heard on 60 Minutes, it's not only what happens during The Biggest Loser, but there could be the really bad, scary sequel called The Biggest Rebound. Because what happens in that show is, in a nearly every case, it's about caloric, caloric restriction as well as reducing your calories. And of course, if you do those things with the help of a coach, you're going to lose weight. But what happens is, is that they get this huge rebound because what happens when you get super, super hungry and your body's all out of whack and you're just reducing calories? You feel hungry. You feel hangry. Your body responds because their body's like, dude, you're trying to starve me. And the worst thing is, is that if you're eating throughout the day, even though it's a little bit less, you're in your fed state throughout the day so your body is continuing to produce the insulin throughout the day. So even though you're reducing your caloric intake, as Dr. Um, Fung points out, what's also happening is that you are increasing, um, you're, you're reducing your, the rate at which you metabolize your calories. So you're lowering your calories, but you're also reducing the rate at which your body burns calories and that's not good and so what happens is is your body gets into this unfed state or this fed state and it cannot access the fat because you're producing insulin throughout the day and so then what happens is is once you're not exercising with this mac daddy coach the biggest loser gets you you get up to back to where you were before because you're craving food it's psychologically too difficult And here Dr. Fung gets into this really basic bare bones metaphor of the freezer versus the fridge. What do you store in the fridge, the food that you're ready to eat? What do you store in your deep freezer? That's the food for the long term. That's like your meats, these sorts of things. Well, your fridge, that's, that's like your body likes the carbs. Your body likes the glucose. Why? Because it's a readily available energy source. It's easy. It converts it quickly. It can get right up to your brain. And if it's in a fed state, which which it likes, it likes being fed. It doesn't want to starve. It's like, dude, why would I need to go to the freezer? Because I don't need to burn any fat. I don't need to because I already got all this glucose. My fridge is full, right? So that's the problem. Now, there's a way that you can treat, access your freezer, that is your fat, that's where your fat is stored, you can eat a ton of meat and lower your carbs. So your body is not producing any of the glucose. And when your body isn't producing the glucose, then it's able to then produce, it needs the energy. So then it starts going and producing ketones that are produced by your body's dominant fuel, which is your, your essentially your fat. And that's known as ketosis. Now, a lot of times people get into this whole debate about keto versus non-keto and whether carbs versus meat and, and even carbohydrates in the form of bread. Well, largely the intermittent fast totally sidesteps that. They do, I think they're definitely keto focused. They do encourage you to do that. And I think you'll find to increase your own satiation when you eat You'll, you want sort of higher energy foods full of protein um, for those sorts of things. 
So you'll naturally sort of gravitate for that, but it largely sidesteps that. So if you like your, your potatoes and these sorts of things, it's going to encourage you not to do that, but it doesn't make you do that. So you can keep your eye on the ball of just when you eat and when you don't eat. So the keto talks about getting to this state of ketosis by what you eat in the forms of lowering your carbs, increasing the amount of healthy plants and meats that you eat, and that gets you there. But the other way to do it, of course, is through fasting. And doesn't that make just so much sense? We were not designed as cavemen for million years, at least, of us being humans. We were not designed to have food all of the time. Now, we obviously needed to eat food and and have food so we could live, because if we didn't do that, we would die. No one wants to starve. But all of our body chemistry is designed to maximize when we're hungry and accessing all of the calories that we have so we can efficiently process it. And when you're feeding yourself throughout the day, what's happening is, is it's like this guy named Dude. And Dude is like, Dude, I'm not going to let you get to the freezer, Dude, because you don't need to go there. You can go to the fridge in the form of the glucose. You can go to the fridge. The fridge has food. And if you're stocking the fridge throughout the day, well, of course you're going to go to the fridge. But what's the problem? Most of us want to burn fat. And if we want to burn fat, we have to get to our fat, our deep freezer. And so the fasting helps our body naturally use up all of the glucose in our body so that we can begin to then produce energy from our fats which is what our fat is for. It is stored calories for us to use later. And so after a while, your mind and your body will adapt. And then you'll start feeling like, wow, I actually feel a lot better. And I'm all of a sudden a lot more mindful about what I'm eating. And I also don't feel good when I eat McDonald's or anything else. You start looking for health food. You start looking for various diets. But here's the thing, it does not recommend what you should eat, but you will naturally go to it. And in terms of your appetite, the same thing will happen. Eventually, your body will totally get used to it. So you still may not believe me and you're like, dude, I'm not going to try it. Okay, that's fine. But if you're in a state of obesity... And it's no fun to admit you're obese. As I said in my original podcast, my doctor said, Rakni, you were four points away from being morbidly obese. So I wasn't only obese, I was nearly morbidly obese. My risk levels were super high and I was a ticking time bomb. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. This has been the simplest, easiest, healthiest way for me to do it. But I think you're going to find, once you do it, you're going to love it. So we're going to keep following up with this um, topic of intermittent fasting. And reach out with any questions you have, rockneycole at gmail.com or rockneycast at gmail.com. And we'll continue this conversation on the wonders of intermittent fasting. And I think the biggest way for you to disprove what I'm doing is you can talk to your doctor and you can start. And if you don't lose weight and you're following it, then you can let me know. And we'll, we'll let that information, but I'm telling you folks, you're going to feel good, you're going to lose weight, and it's going to change your life. So that is the wonders of intermittent fasting.